computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined again by Tim, aka Cranges McBasketball, who held it down nicely. Thank you, Tim, for holding it down while I took a week off. You know, it's kind of that time of the season. We're not getting a lot of news, even though we are still getting some because it's the Lakers and there's always. They didn't want me back, but Braun wanted me back. And but now I'm in Dallas. Jim, my name's Jared Dudley. You know, we just did a whole thing on uh-huh. social media because no one has anything else to care about. How are you, Tim? Yeah, I'm doing. Hey, Cranges McPodskitball over here. I hold it down <laughs> while we load manage throughout like the the like the dog days of summer, as they That's call right. the baseball season. I'm doing well, trying to keep up with the news. Uh, Lots of little moves around the margins these past couple weeks, which you know I love and try to make other people like. Uh, so I'm I'm enjoying it. But we I think we have a pretty fun topic today because today we're talking about stuff that matters. And I have a new nominee for the Ian Clark, you know, off the you know out of the the bargain bin potential upside that's going to flame out Player of the Year as well. Mm. So I'm I'm pumped about that. It's a long title. You should work on that. Okay. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's accurate. I appreciate the context, but, you know, something more more pithy. Um, okay. So a couple things, right? I didn't get a chance to touch on a couple of things. The Dudley thing I don't want to talk about. It doesn't matter that much. Good credit to him. <laughs> Thank you for your service. You're yep. an assistant coach now. You're not an NBA player anymore. I'm sorry. You know, it's just what I, what I think is the truth. Um, the Dudley thing happened. Um, obviously... Last time we spoke, Rajon Rondo was a Los Angeles Clipper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can get to this later. I feel like it's not surprising at all if he winds up back in the Lakers. Even having said what Dudley used as an excuse that they wanted like youth, youthful athleticism with their last couple spots, which I think is right. The right process. A team with Carmelo yeah. Anthony and Dwight Howard and Russell Westbrook doesn't need a Jared Dudley the same as a Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Caruso kind of, mm-hmm. you know, getting all the the other guys, the other pieces, the key, the Keefs, the, you know, other guys on the same page as LeBron and LeBron not having to do some of that, all that leadership heavy lifting. But yep. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Rajon Rondo back because I think he can still play basketball on the court in some capacity. And as we'll get into it uh, with these lineups, you know, having somebody on the court who can direct people around for as much as I hated regular season Rondo a lot of times. And uh, having a year without him last year, I think, showed kind of his value to that team. Yeah, so I, if he'll if he'll randomly shoot like forty percent on threes again in the playoffs, we will also take that. But I you got I have to like recalibrate my mind to what regular season Rondo was like. Oh, it's happening. He left us with it was it was the opposite of a bitter taste left in my mouth after that playoff run. So yeah, I'm I'm anticipating it'll happen. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I I think he he still has you know clearly some IQ and and he still has some strengths on the court that could be helpful. I'll tell Rajon Rondo you think he has some IQ next time I see him. I'm sure he'll love that. No, just just joshing you. Um, no, what we want to talk about today is a non-LeBron lineup minutes, the way those will look now this season. Um, you know, they haven't looked great the last couple of years. They were worse last year than the year before. But for two years, Tim, we've, you know, since we came back on this pod, we've talked about how when the ball gets dumped into Anthony Davis in the first five, six minutes of the second quarter, you know, the offense just gets awful, not just, you know, below average, like straight up awful. Uh, it, the process is bad. The kinds of shots they get and are, are not great. And I'm not saying mid-range shots are bad. It's mid-range shots with 15, 16, you know, 14 left in the shot clock without really much player movement. Um, you know, you know, all the possessions we've talked about, right? You know, setting this yeah. up for the listener, right? But yep. how does this team look significantly different with Russell Westbrook and probably in what we are assuming in most of these lineups, you know, no LeBron comes out first 
you know, plays first six minutes, first quarter sits, um, you know, maybe. And so what's that first lineup look like? I want to talk about these lineups sit and shouts to Alex Regla. We've had him on this podcast. Great podcaster, writer, silver screen and roll. Follow his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. All that. We're going to base this kind of off of a, an article he wrote laying out a couple of lineups. And we'll get Tim and I to get some other lineups out there, too. But I wanted context for which lineups when as well, you know, end of the first, you still have the other team's starters on the floor quite often, mm-hmm. their best starters. So to me, someone like a Bazemore coming in for LeBron makes sense. You know, maybe you're starting him, whoever you're not starting between Bazemore and Ariza coming in to replace LeBron. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to think about it through the process of why and when. So maybe we'll have some, you know, middle of late second before he comes back, you know, for to close out the half lineup that yeah. might look a little bit more like none and monk. So I just want to throw that out there. We'll talk about that when I might see expect to see lineups like this at different points in the game. But what's like the first lineup you want to talk about as far as well, the first one Alex laid out, right? Let's do that. The smash mouth one. You have Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, THT, Mello and Dwight at the five. So. That one immediately screams poor defense to me. I know you have Dwight Howard to help clean some things up, but the best other defender in that lot is probably THT at the point of attack. But talk me through that lineup. What do you think about that one? Yeah, defensively is where I see the most issues with this group. Offensively, you're you're looking at you've got some spacing with Mello. You have Monk who had that really good shooting season this past year. If he, he if he doesn't shoot well next year, this lineup won't work cuz there just won't be any spacing, but assuming Monk and Mello are your spacers, you have Russ and THT as guys that can like really get to the rim. Howard is a great a good finisher, and then Monk is somebody who can, you know, drive and kick it out to him. Him operating with a small advantage to start with, he'll be able to pump fake and go or just take that pass out and then drive a second time. And he he has some ability to get to the rim and score at the rim in a way that a lot of our guys last season didn't. If you kick it out to KCP or you kick it out to Danny Green a couple of years ago, some of these guys, either they catch it and they're open and they score or they catch it and there's some hesitation because there's kind of a closeout happening and they're not guys that are generally taking harder shots so you pass it to them, they pump fake, and then they drive, and it's like, uh-oh time, when Danny Green's driving into the lane and needs to make a decision or read a defense or try to hit a floater or something like that. Malik Monk is a huge step up in that secondary element of things. And as long as he's slotted into that secondary creation kind of role within this lineup, I love what he's able to provide. So I like it. This, this group, if we look at some of the data on this group compared, using our lineup creator to help ball index, compared to the lineup data that we have in our database for last season, this would be the best group at getting to the rim compared to any non-LeBron lineup last season. Um, And from a spacing standpoint, even with a couple guys in here that, you know, Howard's not providing spacing, Russ a little questionable, THT questionable, it still would have been above average for spacing on last season's team, which is crazy to me. Um, But that just tells us, it's not to say that this is a really good spacing lineup, but just kind of tells us what we were working with last year and the finishing at the rim, the playmaking both would have been above average compared to last season's lineups. Uh, so offensively, I think it could work defensively. I just see it as a really rough group with some poor rotational defenders, especially. So if, if anybody gets beat and there's a drive, a kick and a drive, that's where they're the, the other team is going to make their money. Yeah, Alex mentions this, you know, this lineup's ability to get to the rim, 98th percentile is incredible. You know, pretty much everybody except Mello uh, can get to the rim and finish well. Uh, That's often useful against second units and, you know, in the dog days of the season. But there's not really a scenario in crunch time or in playoffs. I think this lineup is super practical. Um, Obviously, it's no LeBron and no AD which we'll get to some lineups with AD at the five coming up here. Uh, This, you know, implies to me that Dwight Howard would be playing more than I think we expect him to. So getting a shift at the top of the second quarter or somewhere before the end of the second quarter. Mm -hmm. um, And, and I don't, 
I'm not saying I, you know, we think he's going to get 12 minutes. He, he could on certain nights for sure, you know, team, team depending, matchup depending. But I think this kind of lineup for me is like, are we going to take LeBron and AD out at the beginning of the first? Probably not. This is probably a second quarter lineup. Don't love it in the third because you don't have a lot of time to kind of make up some points back. If if defensively this unit does give up a lot, uh, you know, in a short amount of time. So I don't know. I'm I'm pretty lukewarm on this, but I get it. I do get yeah. it. Here's why I see this one being important. Assuming the Lakers are starting Russ, they're starting, we'll say Gasol and AD is their front court. They've got LeBron in there at the three, and I, I don't I don't know, Baysmore or or Monk or Ellington, I guess is gonna be that starting two guard. Or or none, potentially. This is a group that has three or four bench guys in it, and Like you're saying, I don't see a lot of instances when we look at the normal flow of rotations where you're going to have a lineup with that many of your bench guys in at the same time. But where I can see a group like this being viable, being really important, is if you really wanted to, you could play some of those super starter heavy groups more often and not have to stagger as much. Like if your starting lineup is just killing it or your starters minus Ross and put none in there is just killing it you can play that group more often and not worry about having to basically shift whole lines like hockey style. If you have a group like this, that mostly bench guys can come off the bench and still be effective. So that's where I see it. Like if you can, if you can have a a super solid, almost all bench group that enables you to play heavier minutes with your best lineups more often, which, which I think would be really cool. So I agree with you that it's tough to see exactly how it fits in. Um, after this, I need to go play around in our rotation tool and like try to fit some of these specific lineups we're talking about today into that. Mm-hmm. But I agree that it's going to be like the dog days of the, the season sure. or like second or third quarter somewhere in just a, a couple of like almost minutes. They would just completely be punting in previous seasons with a lot of like heavy bench guys. This is a group that I think is viable. And I think that's just important to – you don't, you not only have to have like the really good lineups out there most often, but you have to avoid the really bad lineups. And this group at least should be good enough offensively to tread water, even if the defense is bad. If not, be a solid group with a with a positive net rating. Yeah, I mean the spacing is there compared to last year. We definitely have it's 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 okay. It's not amazing, but it it the options we have now, even with a mellow stretch kind of four, a monk, you know, just somebody who can reasonably shoot catch and shoot mm-hmm. you, you know tht obviously and russ are you know very streaky and can be very good for stretches and i feel like if one of those two can bring their spacing up a little bit more this lineup has a lot more viability long term but ultimately yeah. what we're probably talking to him i don't know if you want to talk that lineup anymore i think the last thing i'd say is i can see monk out and none in also you know looking similar the same kind of similar spacing similar ability to get to the rim similar ability to finish at the rim so that gives you the same kind of thing that this lineup does but I I do like Monk within this one and a good piece of context is this as a non-LeBron non-AD group if it's even like a neutral net rating that's like a big improvement because last year with Bron and AD both sitting, the Lakers in non-garbage time had a minus 15 and a half net rating in the season before that had a minus 20. So if we can like having more groups like this, that can just be fine with some upside is, is huge. I think for this team. So I, that helps me frame and be like, yeah, I'm more excited about this group. Not within just that vacuum, but within the context of like what we're used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the uh, Anthony Davis at the five in space lineup, you know, surrounding AD with good spacing as best you can and kind of living with the other stuff as in like he's the net none is the only real player that can get to the rim and mm-hmm. uh, and finish at the rim at a high rate other than, you know, AD can finish at the rim. But him getting there on his own is another question. Um, so this is the the kind of lineup that we saw like last year uh, that not the same players obviously no one's returning but it's the same like ad and four bench guys you know caruso mm-hmm. kuzma uh trez or or you know another five someone some you know when ad moved up to the five 
it was like Keith in there, I guess, as well. Yeah, right? yeah Keith would be a good one. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's your mellow kind of comp. I, I I don't know. And granted, I, I think Alex makes a good point here that I don't think we'll see a lot of AD without Russ and without LeBron lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of lineup you run your offense through AD, and that's what we've seen the last few years. Now, even though the spacing on paper is better, and like you to your point, there's some better people who can tack closeouts, you know, is this why the Lakers got Russell Westbrook to run a, a, a lineup like this? Like, probably not. It, so I I think that with the shooting that they brought in, a lineup like this can work in a similar way to the one you're referencing for last year where, like, the goal is the same. It's, it's AD with some bench guys, mm-hmm. and the goal is get AD the ball. And we talked about how in previous seasons – you know, defenses will double team him or they'll sag off those guys who aren't great shooters. Like it would, it, the, the concept didn't match reality. This group, you can run that same idea. You don't have elite playmaking. And I think Russ would help with a group like this, but this provides similar value to the last one we talked about in that you only need one of the three stars. And if you can run this group for some minutes and it's good and it truly gets 80 in space, like looking at the shooting with these guys, this would have been the best spaced lineup last season for LA, even including LeBron lineups of any lineup that we've seen for the Lakers. This would have had the best spacing according to our lineup tool. So it would give AD better space than he's ever worked with in a Laker uniform. And that gives me hope that we can just see him go to work against some like opposing team bench groups. And then similar to the first one we talked about, it enables you to play more stacked lineups around it that have heavy starter minutes. Um, if if none's coming off the bench, if Bazemore's coming off the bench, if you, let's say you're starting Russ, Monk, LeBron, uh, AD, and Gasol, or Ariza and AD, this is a group that has four bench guys or three bench guys potentially. So it, in a similar way, this is a good group to have, you know, if you need to, you know, if you need to not have LeBron and not AD out there at the same time, like this is a great fallback option. It's just LeBron with or AD with the best spacing he's ever had. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like with this lineup, it's like, all right, we're we're playing, you know, game forty two, and and man, Anthony Davis has scored three straight baskets. You know, posting a guy up, getting to the rim because good spacing and and they don't want to double right mm-hmm. yeah um i mean there's this again it's you just play a zone i don't think there's a creator like real creator in this lineup outside of anthony davis you can only kind of create for himself and some kickouts. Mm-hmm. i guess it's just falling back into old habits when you got a big portion of your resources spent on someone to help you not fall back into those old habits. And yeah, if LeBron is out, if Russ is out, this is the kind of lineup that was going to have to succeed. Um, but it's, it's, it's more than that to me. Uh, it's the lack of playmaking without a, I guess Baysmore is okay, but he don't really want him making plays with an Anthony Davis on the court. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. This one doesn't do it for me personally because I can see all of the traps that f- came from a couple years before. And unless Anthony yeah. Davis is the bubble mid-range shooter that who can shoot over guys and, you know, really demand a double team. If I'm the other team, I just don't double team. So here's what I would do with this group. I would Bazemore and Mello, you're standing in the corners. You are stationary shooters. You catch and you shoot. Ellington is someone that we can run off screen stuff for that's a, that's another potential attack that a lot of these other lineups won't have from a Carmelo Anthony down screen, Carmelo Anthony down screen. (laughs) Okay. I just want to be clear who's setting the screens in this lineup or or AD setting a down screen and then him slipping to the rim. Cause if, cause Ellington's a good enough shooter that if, if you give, if you put two on him and then this is on an empty side, like an empty side pin down. Yeah. 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 AD then slipping to the rim. Maybe we get a mismatch. Maybe there's mm-hmm. just a wide open dump off. I, that kind of thing. And then get it to Ellington. Either the shot's there. If the shot's not there, dump it right into AD low post and then have him go to work with spacing around him. If they need to kick it out, none can attack a closeout. But the rest of these guys, not as much. 
But even then, I think this, the spacing should be, in theory, good enough that it should work. And if they do play zone, have AD post up uh, the, the middle guy or something. Like, there are ways to attack a zone without AD necessarily needing to, like, isolate or needing these guys to be, like, great playmakers or run a pick and roll. Um, I would find ways to post up AD with this group. He's coming off of a career year as a post player from an efficiency standpoint, even with him not being fully healthy for the year, even with him being double teamed a lot. You know, there's better spacing. I think in theory this could work. It should work. It needs to, like, if, if AD's a superstar, this needs to work. Superstar with spacing needs to be something we can rely upon. If this doesn't work, the Lakers aren't in a great, like, they don't have the shooting that they think they have, I think is the way I would read this. Or they're getting massively outcoached in some sort of way. Where even with better shooting, they're facing double teams and not able to get the ball to open guys or attack it the right way. Yeah, I think this is definitely the lineup you see when you see teams try to go the Phoenix Dario Saric at the five. And, you know, we think we can just kind of double and recover and mm -hmm. run around you on offense and space the floor, um, which I, some teams are doing those small ball fives, not in like the Warriors Draymond way, but just in a we're all switchy and, you know, six, eight and under guys who can shoot the ball and yeah this is the those are the kind of lineups that you want anthony davis with space in so he can go to work and get to whatever spot he wants but if he's mm -hmm. taking fadeaway middies and not getting to the rim it's a problem it's not still not as efficient of an offense as it could be yeah and a lot of it comes down to the fact that like anthony davis the player and Anthony Davis, the the idea of the player aren't quite the same guy between right. the fact that he doesn't post up hard physically. He doesn't get deep post position. That hurts him. The fact that he's comfortable settling for those mid-range shots that he was lights out with in the playoffs two years ago, but for the rest of his career has been nowhere close to, that hurts him. And the fact that when he's a pick-and-roll guy, he when he pops – he doesn't pop to the three-point line. He just kind of stands there at the elbow. That doesn't make him more open. So he does a lot of little things that even with the great player development and, and Phil Handy and all that, he's doing these things that don't make it easy for himself. And that has made lineups with theoretical spacing around him not work as well as they should have. This one, I think, fingers crossed, has like legit spacing in a way that it doesn't matter as much. But I still agree with you that 80s own like, tendencies and unwillingness to like go actually battle down low with somebody especially if they're going smaller like right. if, if he's facing some sort of power forward playing the five and you right. can just go post up a six seven dude like go at him and and if anyone's coming to help somebody's open and this is the type of group that like last year if somebody was open you kick it out to them if it's even like semi-contested they're even they're, they're probably not going to take it or they're not going to hit that shot like alex caruso was an open shot maker an open shot taker um some of these other guys same way this group like none ellington mellow they're gonna fire away baysmore maybe not as much but these other guys are gonna fire away and they're gonna hate a lot of those three so it's in ways helping to hold up some of those bad habits but I agree that they're I – I can see the path for this group to not be as effective as we'd like them to be. Just some old bad habit stuff that has me concerned with that lineup. But yep. hopefully we see a different Anthony Davis because it all comes down to him. Um, now this next lineup here, it's got, you know, shoot, pass, rinse, repeat. You know, shoot, rinse, pass, repeat, I guess is Alex's phrasing. Sorry, I uh -huh. butchered that. Um, but this one is Russell Westbrook, Monk, Bazemore. Mello, Mark Gasol. Uh, now, <clears throat> I just said a, a couple months ago, I feel like I'm not convinced Mark Gasol is coming back to this team. And we didn't hear anything at all about Mark. And then we heard a little bit from Mark Stein that he's kind of, I don't know if contemplating retirement, if talking about going back to Spain. Not a lock. Not, not a, a lock. lock. All, the only information we got. So there's a lot of ambiguity there's yes. a lot of things it could be. Maybe he doesn't want to play for Fisdale. Maybe he wants to play in Spain for his last year. Maybe he, I don't know, does it? He maybe he thinks he's gonna not pay, play as much as he needs to. Maybe he doesn't think he can handle the grind of a season. So yes. so many possible routes yes. it could be. Yes, or maybe now, he plays. I still think we are in agreement that the Lakers should want him to play because I think he mm -hmm. provides something useful in spacing five who can do enough 
you know, rim protection, rebounding, and obviously amazing playmaking that with a team that has a lot better cutters should be featured more. You know, and we were we were calling for that all last year, seeing Mark in the high post, seeing him work off of movement and, and player movement, ball movement. But mm-hmm. the Lakers didn't need that. He just kind of, you know, picked and popped when he could, did his 12 to 15 minutes and was out of there for the most part. Um, and we're going to need something similar, but more from Mark. And I hope I do like this lineup. Uh, Russ, Monk, Bays, Mello, Gasol. Uh, shooting all around Russ. You had the ball in his hands a lot. You could do ghost screens with Monk and Bazemore and Mello. You know, then the other ones are um, in the corners, spacing, doing good, just run pick and roll all day with with Mark, uh, pick and pop, let Russ get downhill. Um, I I like this lineup because I think there's a mixture of vet and look, some youthful legs. Obviously, Westbrook's still athletic. Monk, you know, Bazemore, you have Mello and Garcal at the four and five are, are concerning defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this lineup, I think, doesn't have as much as much defensive worry as like the first one, but it isn't as prolific on offense as the first one. So a little bit less risk, I think, in this lineup, less volatility. It could be yeah, solid. Yeah. It could be not great. And depending on matchups. So I, I just this one to me, I can see working on a regular basis, at least mm-hmm. with Russ and shooting. And that's what we saw from, you know, from when he's been successful the last few times he has. Yeah, yeah, it's it certainly would provide good spacing. This Again, yet another lineup that would have been the best space lineup for the Lakers last season, even including LeBron lineup. So huge step up there. You combine that with the fact that there are numerous playmakers to varying levels in this group. That I think is really helpful in like first attack, you know, pick and pop, pass it out to Mark. If somebody closes out to him, he's going to hit it to someone who is probably a shooter and or can go attack the rim. Um, I agree that defensively it's not going to be a stellar group. Certain guys within this lineup have certain defensive weaknesses. Um, it doesn't kind of coherently, you know, it, it defensively, I'd have my worries. I don't think it's yeah. going to get killed defensively, but I would worry about it. I think Russ is definitely going to need to focus on crashing the boards and, and helping out on that end. Um, but I love the playmaking and I love the shooting. So I, I think there's a lot you can do with it. Great call out with the ghost screens. I think that'd be really neat to see. Um, and I don't know, this This is a group that I could see being fun. And I like the idea of Mark getting time with Russ to just run pick and pop so that Russ can focus on going mm-hmm. at the rim hard with Mark's man having to worry about closing out to him on the perimeter rather than it, there being a guy going under the ball screen and a big man there to wait for Russ. If it's Russ needing to beat his one guy and that big man can't commit, he's going to get to the rim way more often. So I, I like a lot of what this group has going on. Yeah, um, let's take a quick break here. We're going to get to a couple more lineups, and we have Tim's award to give out uh, after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back in from break, Tim. This is kind of a lineup we've we've talked about a little bit on the pod already. Um, talking, you know, briefly talking bench lineups. I really like this one as well. Uh, you have Russell Westbrook, Nunn, Bays, Ariza, and AD at the five. Um, obviously, it's it's AD at the five lineup that to me is does not have the concerns of the the last AD at the five lineup I mentioned. You have Russell Westbrook in there. You can you can spam. I mean, AD Russell pick and rolls if you want. But and there's decent enough spacing. Um, I don't think it's perfect. I'm still again kind of. I want to see Ariza be that consistent. I know he's been consistent his whole career, pretty much shooting. I just want to see that not fall off because he's a Laker. You know, knock on wood. Where is it? Not there's wood. Okay, <laughs> knocked on the wood. But you know, on on. Defense, I think this team, this lineup can, I think AD has the ability to cover a lot of these guys' mistakes. And there's some switchability as well um, at the 3-4 and and AD. So there's some versatility within this that I could see working as like a, a closing the first quarter lineup. This is what that would look like to me. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is one player removed from being your closing lineup in games. Like take... Yeah. None Bazemore or Ariza out, replace them with LeBron, and you have yeah. a group that you're like, hey, this closes games, it's exactly. switchable, we love it. So yeah. this is close to that. And I great call out defensively. I think this group is is pretty well set up to switch. I love the fact that like AD, Ariza, and None from a rotational standpoint, they all do a good job covering for teammates. So if someone does get beat, you're gonna force that offense to have to kick it out and reset. Um and then offensively. You, it's just it's balanced. It's not the best at anything, but it's really balanced. It, it yeah. would have been compared to non-LeBron lineups last season, fourth best in, in playmaking, second best in terms of finishing at the rim, fifth best in spacing. So there's a lot to like about it, and it's a group that I can see getting a lot of minutes um, mm-hmm. in being like the not our starting lineup, but like right after our starting lineup, or like either right before or after you know a starting group, or right before a closing group, or something like that. Yeah, I think you could probably even switch THT in here for most of the other guys. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you really want Bazemore playing the four. Um, I think, you know, just based because obviously we have these kind of four guard like wing guys that could start. It feels like at the two, right? We have none Bazemore. You could see Ariza, I guess Ellington, but one of some of those guys are going to start. So this is not going to be play all through the first quarter. So one of these guys might be sitting. I also don't think THT is going to start. So if you put THT in for like a Bazemore here, mm-hmm. how does that look? Uh, I guess in comparison to this lineup. So this, the spacing would be worse because I mean, you're taking a little bit of a, a step down there. Bazemore is not the, the greatest spacer in the world. He's been a guy that, you know, can knock down open threes, but he's not like a shooter shooter the way some of these other players are. So it's not a, you're not, you're not dropping off a ton, but it's certainly different. And THT in for Bazemore, I mean, defensively, I think would be okay. Uh, at the three, I'd worry about his, you know, being able to rotate if, if you're not, if he's not like facing some sort of scoring wing where he's on ball a lot, I would worry about THT being in a position where he's needing to rotate a good bit. Um, but offensively, the playmaking would take a step up. The finishing getting to the rim would take a step up. You would just be working with a little bit worse spacing, but I don't necessarily think it would be awful. But I do think with Ariza, you have someone who's not, he's also not like a, a legit bona fide shooter. He is somebody that, gave like average to below average production on super high quality shots 
last year. So he is he's closer to what Lakers fans are used to with prior teams where, you know, guys were slightly underperforming elite shot quality, but because the shot quality was so good, they put up good three-point percentages. That's more what Ariza is. So if he's one of the two spacers in, in a lineup, the spacing for the lineup's not going to be all that great. Yep. Um, I think obviously there's lineups where, you know, you're going to want him out there for defensive purposes and you can mm-hmm. live with the limited spacing that he provides as long as it's some spacing. But uh, yeah, just looking through, I think this this lineup is something that we will absolutely see uh, when LeBron comes out in the first quarter. I could see it as well in the third quarter. I could just see this, you know, again, to your point, any of these, uh, you know, subbed in for LeBron. Uh, you know, between Russ and AD, uh, I can also see Dwight in for some of these guys. If you if you have a, a bigger lineup team, you know, mm-hmm. and still need a little bit of spacing, shooting, defense, you put Dwight in for you know Baysmore. You could still have Ariza kind of play the three and, and do that reasonably well. Um, yeah, I, I think you have Westbrook at the point of attack most of the time. And yep. none kind of off ball chasing some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. I am concerned a little bit about none guarding twos and not being quite a two size for some of these Devin Bookers, um, James Harden. You know, that could be a problem as far as him keeping on the court and crunch time against specific teams, a, mm-hmm. a Mitchell, you know. But yeah, yeah, as yeah. the Lakers team defense, I'm not worried too much. Uh, I just, you know. The physicality isn't there like with the KCP is smaller or, you know, a small two guard as well. So there's some similar concerns when mm-hmm. when he was switched on to some of those guys. Yeah, I'd say if, if you're facing one of those guys who's who's a two guard, but larger and you're making like a lineup specific or a matchup specific tweak of this group, you take none out. You slide bees more into the two and then you can put. I mean, obviously, you'd want to put LeBron in if you can, but if you're if you're working with other players, you can put Mello in and slide Ariza up to the three and have Mello at the four, or you put Dwight in potentially or Gasol in. Like somewhere, you're adding a three, a four, or a five, and sliding base more from the three to the two and taking none outs. And and I still think that group would be close to what this group does, and just would be more prepared for those specific maybe playoff matchups. Yeah, no, I really like this lineup. I think it makes sense in all kinds of different ways and in all little tweaks, like none Bazemore Ariza, none THT Ariza. There's a lot of different things you can do with this. Um, Mm -hmm. And we haven't used Ellington as a piece too much in this. I think he qualifies in that as well. His defense is concerning, but the the uptick in spacing could make it worth it, you know, Mm -hmm. with certain matchups. Yeah, in general with a lot of these, like Monk and Nunn offensively provide some similar things or Monk and Ellington in a, in a way provide some of that similar shooting or right. like Ariza Mello offensively provide kind of sp- stationary shooting. Um, Bazemore's kind of within that group as well. So there, there are a number of players that are facsimiles of each other in specific ways offensively or defensively where like – I can see maybe if the Lakers don't use some of these specific lineups, it'll be like this group with one small tweak for a guy who has a similar skill set, just in order to make it fit within their broader like lineup map. So everyone's playing like the right minutes and getting the right amount of rest. Mm -hmm. Well, shout outs to Alex Regla. Thank you for letting us use your article to kind of base a pod on. I know you have a couple other lineups you wanted to go over really quickly. So talk to me about those. Okay. So the first one is, a Russ lineup that has Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Reza, Marcus Gasol. It's similar to one we talked about earlier, but we've got, uh, I mean, AD is not out there. You've got Ariza at the four, Gasol at the five. This is a group that doesn't have Monk. It doesn't have Mello. It doesn't have those guys that like might catch a kick out. And then if the shot's not there, they say, okay, there's 14 seconds left. Time to, you know, it's me time. Uh, this is a group of guys that, Russ and uh, Gasol can run pick and pops with. We can get Russ going downhill, kicks it out. Either something's there or if something's not there, you reset that and you go attack again with Russ. Um, it's it's again Russell Westbrook with a pick and pop partner with spacing all around him. This group, like several others we've talked about, would have been the top spaced 
Laker lineup last season. Um, the secondary playmaking with Kendrick Nunn is nice to have. If you put Monk in there, similar thing with him. This group would have been the second best playmaking lineup for the Lakers last season in non-LeBron minutes. And then defensively, this is a group you can probably catch hedge with. And you've got some good rotators out there between Ariza and Nunn. Um, or in theory, you can run like a no man behind drop with Gasol. And you've got some three of the Lakers' four best like back pressure guards in this group as well. So no matter which route you go defensively, this isn't like a switch everything group, but either of those other two scheme coverages, uh, pick and roll coverages, I think can make sense as well. So I, I see it working well and being very much a, like Russ is going to go just fill the box score up with these other four guys that will 100% defer to him. Yeah, I like this one as well. Um, you know, not going when Mark comes back cause he can be useful Gosh, I, we're going to have to get another five if Mark, you know, retires or decides not to play. Um, this is no doubt about it. It's not it can't just be Dwight and A.D. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Unless you want to run crazy small ball lineups with Ariza at the five, which I don't see working particularly well. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can do it with Russ in there rebounding, but I doubt it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not it's people are just going to get to the rim, you know. Yeah. Easily. What do you th- what do you think of and he's not a, a rim protector, but what do you think of Demarcus Cousins being the closest Mark replacement to do what Mark does in terms of having some playmaking and being a spacer? Defensively, not he's not a great defensive guy, but he's he's more of a defensive big in the way Andre Drummond is, where he like generates turnovers and plays passing lanes and strips balls and rebounds really well. And over the past several years, he has had a positive defensive impact. So it's not that he's just not a good defender because he's not a good rim protector. But how, how do you how would you feel about that if Mark decides to retire or something and like Paul Millsap or somebody of that caliber isn't available? Um, I mean, yeah, def- definitely, obviously, definitely more interested in Paul Millsap, who looks like mm-hmm. he's probably just going to wait until he can get a better deal, you know, yeah. when the opportunity opens up. Boogie, man. I don't know. I don't. Uh, so it does fit a couple of things. I think the Lakers could or would do it in the sense of he's played for the team before. Yeah. Um, and on, in, straight up, that's in, how they do things. And stuck around with the team that year. Like yeah. even after he was injured, like it wasn't he came in for a week, got hurt and left. He yeah. came in, got hurt, never really played a game, but was around the team and part of the culture. So I think that if we're trying to look at the team's tendencies and what they might do, yeah, Rondo, someone I feel might come over, and, and Boogie, someone that I think has a decent chance if Mark isn't back. I mean, I just, I guess Boogie did have a, a quick moment in that uh, Utah series against Derek Favors. I think he had a shift where he scored a bunch of points, and it wasn't from three; it was posting up. Funnily enough, mm-hmm. but um, I don't, I don't really see him in any kind of closing or any kind of playoff lineups as as any kind of reasonable option where i could see mark at least for some stretches um so that doesn't change i guess just a person who can play the five in four four minutes in a big game to give you a very specific thing in rim protection you know what i mean like that is what we're missing otherwise it's just white and ad yeah i mean with Given who's available, like I think grabbing a spacing guy if Mark isn't back would be important because you have you have the dump off guy in Dwight, you have AD and what he's able to provide and be a switchable dude. I think having a spacer is a good just card to have in your hand. And if Mark's gone, you don't have that unless you bring Boogie in. Um, again, Millsap would would kind of fit this as well, but Boogie's been a better shooter than him. Um, so I I do think that in the playoffs he wouldn't really play all that much. He might give you five minutes, but I am not expecting Gasol to play big playoff minutes either. I think 80s in the regular season, maybe play 24 minutes at the center in the playoffs, maybe play 30 minutes at the center, 35 minutes. Um, and then Dwight fills the rest. And I, I would feel okay going into the playoffs with those two as my like primary guys, knowing that like Gasol's there in case I need him or Boogie's there in case I need him. Um, but if you just have nobody, then I, I don't feel great about getting through 82 games with just those two options. I think yeah. that's that you, you need that regular season innings eater. 
and the spacing and the playmaking is there enough that I think they can, I don't know. It's the, the easiest pivot to me, even though there are plenty of holes in this game. Yeah. And it's the one that probably makes the most sense in, in Lakers logic, uh, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, um, so back to these lineups, plug him in yeah. for Gasol and it's, at least within this line of creator tool, it's going to end up looking similar. It's going to say he's spacing the floor and he's got some playmaking and, you know, the finishing at the rim is all right. It's not going to be happening a ton and the getting to the rim, I don't know if that's a, a big factor with him given how the Lakers would use him. But my second group, and I love this one, I think this is, I think this should be like the top second unit for the Lakers. Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, AD, and Gasol. It would have the best playmaking of any lineup we've covered today or the Lakers had last season. It would have the best finishing at the rim of any lineup we've covered today or any non-LeBron lineup last season. It would, it would have the fourth best uh, spacing versus lineups last season. And if we just, I look through our entire lineup database going back years and years, looking for groups that matched the playmaking, 96th percentile playmaking, 96th percentile uh, scoring at the rim and 91st percentile spacing, of the 12,621 lineups in our database, only one matched those, and it played for two minutes, and it was Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, and Kelly Olenek. Not a perfect lineup, of course. <laughs> no one's like, oh, damn, you just, you know, that's the death star of lineups. But in terms of, like, spacing, playmaking, scoring at the rim, this Laker group would be putting out a group that would be just about unmatched compared to what teams have done in the past. And I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. And there's and yeah, LeBron's I'm, not even in it. I mean, this also again fits the Laker logic of the kind of lineup that you would put in because AD doesn't like playing the five. And that's yeah. still true, even though we've heard he's willing to play more or they're trying to get him to play more. Uh, as of right now with, you know, we're just speculating on all of these, right? Mm-hmm. We're speculating based on past history and just kind of our gut feeling. So as far as what the Lakers are going to do, it's going to be a version of something we've discussed today because we've kind of talked about different angles and, and you know, it's going to be close. But it's this is something that stands out to me is if Mark comes back, like likely, you know what I mean? You could see yeah. Mark and uh, who is so you start Russ uh, Bays, LeBron, AD, Dwight. Okay, that's your starting five. Six minutes in the first, you have Mark and Ariza check in for LeBron, and or sorry, Mark and Nunn check in for LeBron and um, Dwight. Dwight. So you basically get to this lineup for the last six minutes of the first, somewhere in there. You know, you probably have one more sub halfway through that for the other starter. Mm-hmm. You know, to come off, maybe you bring Russ out and put somebody else, the THT in for three minutes. And and that's kind of what your rotation starts to come out looking like. Yeah. And I think this is a group that like Russ will start. AD will start. I think Nunn's in the running. I think Bazemore's in the running. And sure. I think Gasol's in the running. I don't know that not all three of them will start, but there's a chance one or two of them does. So it's similar to what you're talking about. This is definitely a group, no matter how you slice and dice it, no matter which of these, maybe Dwight DeSars, maybe he doesn't. Maybe uh, Monk starts or Ellington starts, whoever. You're very close to getting to this group from either your opening or your closing lineup. And because of that, I see it having plenty of opportunity to play. And if you can go from a starting group to this group and just kill it for the whole first quarter, I think that's awesome. And I think that would set the team up well. And then you throw out a group that has Monk and Ellington and Dwight and Russ and Mello from this group and you rest four of the five guys that were in here. Oh, sorry, no, we'll throw LeBron in there. Why not? Um, Like, I just, there's so many possibilities and like the Lakers are going to use some of these groups. They're not going to use some of these groups, but it's so easy when coming up with these to find groups that lead into other groups in a, in a good way that I feel a lot more comfortable about the rotation in general and about those non-LeBron minutes this year than I did last year and the year before. I, there's, I think there's a chance that this group, instead of being a minus 15 or minus 20 net rating with LeBron and AD both sitting, they can be like close to zero. And with like Russ and AD out there together, but no LeBron be like a plus eight or something like that. And those things matter because 
even if like the top end of this group or their starting group isn't world beating, if throughout 48 minutes you're throwing out viable good groups that are going to go beat up on backup units, you're going to have a really solid team. So I, I overall, I feel really, really good about what we've looked at today and, and what the Lakers are going to look like if they stay healthy. Yeah. Big if, hopefully. Knock on wood again. Um, all right, Tim, it's time to get to your award winner. I will say, before we hopped on, I did watch some film of him. And uh, yeah, it looks like your perennial Ian Clark guy who does some things and then hits the side of the backboard. So mm-hmm. who's your who's your guy, my guy? My God, I don't know what, what, what I don't know what to call this. The my bargain bin player of the year, the BBPOY. I, I don't know. Um, Tom's shaking his head. I'm gonna go Frank Nidokina. He here and here's why. He certainly has holes in his games. His his game. He was kind of buried in New York this past year. Um, behind their their rising solid player in Emmanuel quickly, and then Derek Rose, who was obviously going to play, and then also Alfred Payton, who somehow played and nobody liked it, and, and the, the Knicks fans and analysts didn't like it. But there were some locker room politics going on, and Frank was a you know a casualty of that. We didn't get to see him as much, but he is a like legit legit defensive player with a seven one wingspan. He's six four, so he's not the tallest guy, but he has a seven one wingspan. He's an inch shorter than Bazemore with an inch longer wingspan. He can defend one, two, and three really well. Um, His three-point shooting has been a big swing skill for him. He hasn't been a good perimeter shooter for his career, and he's not a playmaker. So if he's only defense, it's, it's hard to get him on the court. This past season, on a relatively small sample, and then also in the Olympics, he shot really well on his threes, and his three-point form looked different, and it looked better. And I had long conversations and DMs with some Knicks folks who covered the team and, and have followed him for the past couple of years. And they felt, and many of them, several, two, of, well, two of two of them felt pretty strongly that like, hey, there's something with this guy and his shot form is different. And he is like 100% worth a shot. So if we're looking at grabbing a guy who's our like 14th man, 13th man, he's young He's long. He's a like legit defender that could be a wing stopper. He could be a point of attack guy. He, I was throwing together our, our new defensive talent grade 2.0 today. Just preliminary, super preliminary. He would have been a 99th percentile wing stopper from a talent standpoint when he played for the full season in 2019-2020. Um, so like there's a ton of like defense we can trust. And if the shot's there at all, even if he's not like a great shooter, even if he's like an Alex Caruso shooter or a Trevor Ariza shooter, that is a, the type of guy that can play on this team. And the team just took a huge step back from a defensive standpoint with their backcourt. And he's someone that I think, you know, if you need someone out there for a couple of minutes to play some defense or you need someone to take on a wing stopper role, he has done it. He's done it well. And I think he could do it with this team. And he, he he's not going to be asked to play make, which was something he would have needed to do in New York. So for us, you know, him only being good at a couple things is fine in a way that for a lot of other teams, given they don't have the top end talent, isn't okay. So I, I think he's absolutely worth a shot and would outperform a minimum contract if he's given any sort of chance to play. And if his shot isn't there, you can cut him or he can sit on the bench. But he's gonna play that some like he's gonna play great defense in practice. He's a good locker room guy. And like I, I see no real downside going after him, given who's available and the the money and the role he'd have on the team. Well, it's not downside on the Lakers end; it's downside on his end. It's you know, there's even still probably more. There's better opportunities for him to get on the court on a regular basis on several other teams. But it is August twenty seventh, so if it were yeah. if it were three weeks ago, and in free agency we're still kind of going along i mean yeah, yeah and still it's still like i still agree with you but the fact that he's around means that he he may be willing to take something that you know it's not a guaranteed spot but hey if your shot falls and you play elite defense there might be some minutes for you because we don't have wing depth and we have a lot of old guys it's and we're in true i can't argue that it's i don't trust the shot form i don't think he's particularly good at relocating or catching you know in a a bad pass that's off to his left and getting into a comfortable 
shot shooting position. I think he takes mm-hmm. some bad shots. Some, you know, again, this is on a Knicks team who is, you know, he's trying to bear, unbury himself. So, yeah, three-point, you know, swing pass with 18 on the shot clock that I have a little bit of space on. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it up. Um, so I, I'm not against it. Again, it's pretty hard for me to be against any of the last three rotation pieces on the Lakers. They have to make sense in a very specific area, right? They have to provide value at certain skill sets. And he does have that. I will give him that. He has the skill sets of defense, uh, physicality, wing stopping, and maybe some three-point shooting. And if that maybe does get him on a, a, a team, you know, he's going to shoot. He's going to be open. He's going to get good three-point looks and play defense, which is, you know, on the ancillary, what you need around these teams, like these Lakers teams have had. So, yeah, in theory, I'll give you that. Is he, you know, yeah, outperform value? I think taking into context what he is and isn't asked to do, I don't I think it's one of those pieces that's more valuable to the Lakers because of their situation and the player's mm-hmm. skill set. So it's both yes. it's both conditions being met. And yes, I think technically he would be more valuable to the Lakers if he could find out, like carve out some Avery Bradley type type role without the ball handling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, he can be he can be Ken Bazemore for this team. You, offensively, you don't need to play make. Sure, I'm not, you can, like, I'm not convinced the, the shot's there. I'm not convinced yeah, yeah, the shot's but, there, but yes. If the shot's there, he is your Ken. He's Ken Bazemore, sure. <laughs> basically. Like, defense, you no, know, not like a tall wing stopper, but a guy that can defend one through three well, that has some shooting, doesn't do much else offensively, has some athleticism. That That's the, the style of guy he would be. If there's a 30% chance of that being the case, throw a dart. I mean, like the the upside is worth an end of the bench roster spot. If it doesn't turn, work out that way, he's somebody that in practice is going to be hounding Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn and making these guys, you know, improve their game on a day by day basis. So it's it's just worth the upside because you don't run into 99th percentile wing stoppers <laughs> like for minimum contracts. That just does yeah. not happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't I'm not saying it'll work out, but there's a chance it works out and it's it's worth the chance it's calculated risk i mean what is clearly not working out uh west matthews i'm assuming is not returning to the lakers uh based on all this time again it is august late august and yeah he's he's not yet going to a team um it's it's it is what it is i don't and i don't hate it I also would have understood it if they brought him back. That contract alone is going to be like, I think it's $8 million or $5 million after the tax and, and you know, the veteran minimum number, um, yeah. which is higher. So, you know, that's just the part of it. He wasn't fantastic. He regressed shooting. Now, does history tell you he'll regress back? Probably. But yeah. I do feel he has lost a step. I feel... He is not quite as impactful as we were hoping. And he's just another guy to have. Would I sign him? Sure. Again, for these last three spots, he does certain things that I could feel comfortable with. He was an NBA, he is an NBA player, an yeah. aging one. He he was one that was in our playoff rotation last year, which I don't think we should overlook. Like he he started the season off awful. So bad. Really, really, really bad. And then from the point that we like started tracking our LeBron metric a couple months into the season until the end of the year, he was one of the highest risers among Laker players. And part of that is because he started so poorly, but he, once he got his groove, you know, we saw what it could look like. Mm-hmm. We just didn't see him string it together and the shot wasn't consistent, but his three point shot making over his career has been like B, 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 B plus B minus B, B. And then it goes to an I mean, F this yeah. past year. So like, odds, like if I had to bet money, it would be really smart to bet money and say that his three-point shot will return next season on a team if he gets signed. And, you know, maybe that team will be the Lakers. I think his defense was fine. I do agree he's lost a step. But, again, for a a late rotation spot, as someone who could be, like, a depth wing in case someone goes down or a depth guard, I don't mind it. I don't mind betting on positive regression. Yeah, I'm just, like, 
29 other teams could have him for the minimum and no one has. And, you know, that's just sometimes that's how the the market plays out where you probably could play a couple more years and teams just want to give this young guy, that young guy. uh, This guy has been in here longer. We have to pay him. This guy's a bad contract. We took a pick for, you know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of circum, you know, we're going to rehab his value, try and get stuff for him. It's I'm just saying it's it's not surprising to me. He's not back or on another NBA team. I I that isn't shocking to me, but we're not here to talk about Wes Matthews for all kinds of time. Tim, that is, I think, going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, Any other shots, ideas you want to get in about, you know, what the Lakers could do with these last roster spot or or how they could use these uh, non LeBron lineups? Uh, last dart throw is James Ennis. He's somebody who turned into a 3 and D guy last year after being neither of the two of those for the rest of his career. So it would very much be a dart throw. He's an older guy. So if they, if they really like some of their like summer league dudes and they want to get them with this parent team practicing with the full coaching staff and getting that attention and playing against these like legit players every day, I can understand that. But if Ennis gives you anything close to what he did last season where he was knocking threes down really well and he was a, a solid, versatile defender, like that's a huge value for an end of bench guy as well. But another one that like I, I, I am anticipating that he will return to his not good three and not good D form. But that's I mean, it's it's a dart throw with some upside. So that, that would be the other one. But I don't I, I'm not going to lose any sleep if they don't go after them. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I definitely I think it could be something like Rondo Boogie. Um, I definitely think you'll probably see a big but the uncertainty yeah. about Mark. Uh, Mark retiring opens up another roster spot. So I don't think they'll have all 15. I think they'll probably fill to 14 max just to give yeah. them one more spot and not have to spend that money. Um, so it's about the tax. Yeah, it's 100 percent. I if they sign, I mean, if they fill every spot they have. And they need to cut somebody. They can cut somebody if like Kevin Love gets bought out, and they and they need to sign someone of that caliber because they're not hard capped. They're they're able to cut and replace pretty easily. But for from their perspective, I get I get it. It sucks from a fan standpoint, but I get it why they're like, eh. There's no reason to go sign a minimum contract that you know for us actually costs like eight million dollars yeah. for a guy that we're never going to see play in a game that's like within twenty points. Yeah. So I, I'm anticipating they won't fill every spot. I would hope that they would but i'm not i'm not betting on it yeah so i mean it's not like they're gonna go into the league year with 11 or 12 players they'll probably add a couple other guys but Mm -hmm. again like the later you do that in the season the less of a tax bill you eventually have to you get so we can see somebody signed in december january february and then the buyout season you know you probably see them fill out either one more or that last spot or maybe they go in with 13 i don't know it's kind of a strength Mm -hmm. of having you know 12 playable NBA players. So, yeah, I think that's the thing is generally with a rotation, the like caliber of guy generally declines and declines. And by the time you reach a certain point on the roster, it's guys that you don't feel comfortable in the game. Mm -hmm. The Lakers have a group currently without filling the rest of their spots where they won't be able to play a playable player. Yeah. Um, Like somebody, probably Ellington or Monk. We'll see. We'll see if Ellie, we'll see if Monk's defense impresses Frank or not. Um, but probably one of those two guys is going to be taking some DNPs, and that's like. I mean, it sucks. For, it sucks for for that for that player of that night. But the Lakers have more depth than they've had in the past in terms of like those later bench guys being someone that you could just plug in and you know exactly what they're going to give you and they're going to give it to you at like a fairly high level. Yep, well, that's going to do it for us today. Um, we'll come back next week. We'll still do pods here. We're coming up on our, uh, I think, our one-year anniversary since we came back, Tim. Uh, I think it was oh, mid, mid some, late September. Uh, got you these hands, baby. Catch. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but, you know, it's time to go. So any last, last thoughts, Tim? I recorded a pod about the clutch situation with Nerlens Noel already, and I was like, I don't know if people want to listen to this or not, but I recorded it, so we're going to put it up, and if you have any interest in, in hearing about what's going on with that case, what it could mean for the Lakers, what it could mean for clutch, um, who are two different entities, for, for those who you know confuse them sometimes, but I think it's a super interesting situation, and 
I was able to like brush off my own, my like old like law class notes um, and throw some stuff together. So expect that in a few days. Awesome. Armchair lawyers, nothing better. (laughs) Be on the lookout for that, y'all. Until then, we'll talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.